you will, turn in your Bibles again to where we were last week at John chapter 10. Sometimes scripture is like what granddaddy said about chicken gizzards. The more you chew them, the bigger they get. And the more you look at the word, the more you see coming out of it. I had some people approach me last week. They made some comments. And because it says in verse 6 of John chapter 10, This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. So I want to make sure that we give a small overview of this. This last week was about the sheepfold. Jesus has decided to enter the world of animals to teach us this week because so many people in that day knew everything about animals. If you think about it, it hadn't been too many years ago that if the family ate chicken, mother or grandmother one had to kill a chicken. Now you pick them up in a plastic bag at the grocery store. Everybody knew about blood and eating. It's something that's lost on a lot of us today. They're trying to explain to children in school where things come from because they have no idea of their source. But Jesus last week was talking about the sheep and the sheepfold. Now, some people mentioned that they didn't understand before last week that the sheep and the sheepfold were owned by many different people. Because you see, the whole point of this parable, the reason Jesus chose this subject to share with us was about two things. Number one was that the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. And number two, they followed the shepherd. That's the two subject matters for this whole thing. And he brought up that the owners of several flocks of sheep built a pen that was impenetrable. You couldn't get in it except by the door. And they'd all bring their sheep in at night, put them in there. A porter would be responsible for looking after the door. And the next morning, the shepherds came and they called their sheep. Their sheep knew their voice and they went with them and they took them out And the sheep followed them because they knew who they were. Now, I am not a shepherd, but I've been in the livestock business all my life. I've never tended sheep, but I've sold hundreds of them at the stockyard at Montgomery. And there's something about this story that I understand, and I don't mean to be offensive to anybody, But when Jesus compares us with sheep, I understand 
what he understands about just how dumb we are. Now that's not a compliment. But it goes to show you. God says in Isaiah that my thoughts are not your thoughts, they're higher than your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts than heaven is from earth. And sheep are dumb animals. Now you might not learn that handling three or four of them in your backyard. But if you go to handling hundreds of sheep, you'll find out they don't have sense enough to do anything. They're completely defenseless. They cannot protect themselves other than to run. And the neat thing about this thing that is so important that I was reminded of this week in looking back at it, sheep have to be led. You see what it says. Verse 2, But he that entereth by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Nobody comes to the door to get his sheep but the shepherd, the one that owns them. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. You don't drive sheep. I don't care what you've been told or what you've seen on TV. You don't get behind sheep and say, shoo. Sheep have to follow something. But then I'll tell you something else that I know about. Every group of animals that I know have to have something to follow. All the herds that went up the trail to the railheads in the late 1800s from Texas, there were some of those, those trail drivers that had a steer that was a lead steer, and they brought him back and forth to Texas from Kansas every time they went to lead the new group up there where they came. They, they had a boat to lead, and they tied them to the wagon. The chuck wagon went back to Texas, and it, it brought the steer back with it. Animals have to have something to follow. And with cattle, it was a lead steer. And they followed the man that was at point in front of, of the herd. And all the cattle followed the lead steer. That's the way it works. And let's see, this is what Jesus is so, is so pertinent about this scripture about here. And he leadeth them out. They won't come out of the coat, out of the sheepfold, without Jesus walking ahead of them. And they followed him because they knew his voice. Now I'll open this up. Jesus called us sheep. And the thing that he said is so important about sheep is that they know the shepherd's voice. Now let me ask this question. John chapter 18, verse 37. Jesus said, For this end came, was I born, and for this cause came I into the world that I might bear witness of the truth. And the people of the truth hear my voice. The word voice is all over this scripture right here in John. Let me ask you a question. Are you on speaking terms with Jesus? Do you know his voice? 
Have you heard his voice? Nobody's talking about that anymore. They quit talking about it several years ago. Nobody preaches on the Holy Spirit and the voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks to us to lead us and guide us. God put a part of himself inside of us that lives there 24-7 that can show us what we need to do and show us what kind of decisions we need to make every day. Do we speak enough? Do we carry on enough conversations with Jesus that we recognize his voice through the voice of the Holy Spirit? That's what he assumes here. He says we do. And he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, when he brings his sheep out, when the shepherd brings his sheep out, verse 4, he goeth before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Now I'll use the word voice in two ways. I've had people make fun of me when I preach that Jesus would let us know what we're supposed to do through the Holy Spirit that is in us. And I've had preachers ask me with a smirk in their voice, well, what kind of accent did the voice have? The voice doesn't have an accent, folks, because Jesus can have any kind of accent he wants. He can make it sound like anything he wants. The point is, he gets his message to you. It's called revelation. And it's all over scripture. Anthony prayed one time here on Thursday night at our lesson deal. Lord, teach us the meaning of, the, of, of what's underneath the words in the Bible. That's something I've never forgotten. Because you see, we can read the Bible. But when it gets any deeper than thou shalt not steal, we can't understand it unless the Holy Spirit explains it to us. Every single thing we understand about Scripture, the Holy Spirit has to teach us. We can't get it by ourselves. You say, well, why did they quit talking about it? I can tell you why I think they did. All my research says that the Baptists came out from in the Reformation in the 1600s and they formed the Baptist denomination. A couple of hundred years later, they started the Pentecostal church. And when folks were in the Pentecostal church, 90% of them came from the Baptist church. They left the Baptist church, joined the Pentecostal church because they liked the loud services and the animated services. They liked to involve the emotions. And people in the other churches quit talking about the Holy Spirit because they were afraid somebody might confuse them with the Pentecostals. Their ego kept them from talking about the Spirit. Now, if you don't believe Satan's working, the only business we can conduct today with heaven is through that Holy Spirit that is in us. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody talks about it. 
He goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. Now there's a couple of assumptions that's made right there by Jesus that we don't often think about, I'm afraid. Now let me ask you this. Why would Jesus make such a big point in the scripture of John and it's everywhere. I could show you 20 more places just like it about how important knowing the voice of Jesus was if he didn't plan to talk to us. (laughs) Why would he say we need to do that? Because the fact is, Jesus does guide us and he does speak to us. And you know when he's talking to you. Maybe it doesn't happen to you every day. But it does to me most days because what you call animals, when they get ahead of their leader, you call it a stampede because they go in every which way. We've got to learn to follow the leader. And you ask me, do you know where you're going? No, not always. Well, how do you move? I'm with him. (laughs) I'm with him. Wherever he goes, I just follow him. And I stay out of trouble that way. Do we have that concept in our mind? Do we understand that that's what Jesus says is the way it works? Now let me ask you this. You can use that word voice in two ways. Not that you recognize my voice or not, but do you know what I say? Do you know what I stand for? Do you know what I've been preaching for the last 20 years? Do you know something about me? Well, Joe Clark said so and so and so. so. No, he didn't say that. He wouldn't say that. Do you know that? That's what I'm saying. Do you know me well enough? Do you know Jesus well enough to know what he has taught and what he wouldn't teach and what he's behind and what he stands for and what he doesn't stand for? That's the whole point. He knows us, each and every one of us, by name. He calls us by name, Jesus said. And he goeth before him. That's so important. Are you scared to take a step? No point. No point in being scared at all. Because your Savior, Jesus Christ, is going ahead of you. And he said, come on, come on. I'll keep you out of trouble. It's when we get off the path that we get in briars up to our elbows.
So let me ask this question. Do you know what Jesus said when it's coming out of somebody else's mouth beside Jesus? How in the world would you ever decide to listen to someone speaking about the Bible if you didn't know something about what Jesus stood for and taught and meant when he said what he did? How could you ever pick a preacher? How would you know who to listen to and who not to listen to? How long would it take you to listen to somebody that you begin to see was in error? How long would it take you to get away from him? Keep him from putting trash in your mind. Because we're in charge of our mind. He says that in Psalms. And we're not supposed to let any bad thoughts stay in there. If you've got a pasture out back and you've got sheep in it or cattle in it or whatever you're keeping, you can kind of, you don't have to watch them all the time. You know your fences are up. You know they're going to be where you left them. But in that day, with sheep, they carried them out in the morning. They had to find grass for them. They had to move them from different places because the grass had already been eaten in some places. And when you've got loose animals, Somebody's got to tend to them. You can't just go off and leave them. And God says that we as Christians can't even stumble and fall flat of our face. Because when we stumble to our knees, 37th chapter of Psalms, that's as far as we can go because he catches us with his hand. Now how in the world could Jesus not being a liar catch us with our, his hand when we fell to our knees and caught us before we hit our face flat on the ground if he wasn't within arm's length of every one of us all the time? That is some things we can assume like he's assuming here. He's assuming I talk with you. Do you talk with me? Do you listen to me? And the question, other question is, do we stay behind our leadership? If Jesus is our leader, if he's our savior, if he's our guide, do we stay behind him? Maybe you're like me. Maybe you'd have to admit that sometimes you say, in the course of a week, maybe even last week, uh, uh, Jesus, excuse me, could you step out of the way, please? I've got something I need to do, and you're in my way. And I'm doing it for you, Jesus. We think like that. We don't think like, Lord, I respect you enough, I'll get out of your way. You don't have to get out of my way. It's common decency. For someone, think for a moment now, God created Jesus, Jesus created the earth, then he created us, he made us what we want. he wants us to be, he makes each one of us different, 
And who are we, like Job tried to do, to smart off back to Jesus? <laughs> Wouldn't he says to himself, I've given them everything. Why would they not listen to me or pay attention to me or not respect me for me trying to show them how to live? But you see, it's like I've said. He says here, all that ever came, verse 8, all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't hear them. There were 200 people came and claimed to be the Messiah before Jesus ever appeared. 200. Was it no wonder that the people of Judea were confused about who really was the Messiah. And you know, like I've said, the thing that, that made them believe that Jesus was who he said he was was the fact that he could take Satan out of people. They had never seen anybody that could overcome the devil. Think for a moment with me. One of the greatest shepherds in the Bible was a fellow by the name of David. A man after God's own heart. You remember him? You know, he said, I was looking after my father's sheep and the lion came, tried to get one, and I killed him. And then the bear came and I killed the bear. So why would I be afraid of Goliath? See, God was working him up. A bigger, bigger job every time. And then he killed Goliath a giant who had everybody in the whole country scared to death of him. He killed the bear, he killed the lion, and he killed Goliath. But he couldn't handle Satan. <laughs> Why would you say that? Didn't he get in trouble with Bathsheba? After killing bears and lions and Goliath giants, he couldn't handle Satan. What does Paul say in the 6th chapter of Ephesians about us? We're not fighting flesh and blood, people. Now maybe you've been in a few fights, and maybe you won a few, and maybe you think you're pretty tough. David did. But he couldn't handle Satan, couldn't he? And that's what Paul is trying to show us. Every day we wake up in the morning and the enemy that we have to deal with, you can't even see. You can't even hit him up in a corner to hit him, much less aim at him. And he gets the best of us. And Paul says, we're not fighting flesh and blood. You're not going to get to fight people. That's easy. Bears and lions and giants, that's easy. You got to fight Satan. Principalities and powers of the evil world that is out there with us. How well do you do with that? He said, put on the whole armor of God for that because it's going to be tough. 
a stranger they will not follow. Now this is a point for me that is kind of personal with me because I have so many people ask me about preachers. What about this guy? What about this TV guy? What about that TV guy? Well, all right, look. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know who to listen to and who not to? Do you know who to step up and cut off when he comes on? There is some awful stuff being preached from pulpits all over this country on our TV that come from false teachers. Do you know who they are? Do you know to recognize something that they say that will keep them from being somebody you need to listen to? If you know Jesus' voice, if, and, and here using that another way, if you know what he says, what he has said, you can say to yourself, ooh, that doesn't sound like Jesus to me. What about people's behavior? I've learned something. If I meet a new person, I ask God, God, show me something about that guy right there. I need to know something about them. I need to know who they are. I need to know what they think. Are there somebody that I need to listen to or is there somebody I need to, to turn a deaf ear to? And he'll show you. He will every time. Because you respect him enough to ask him, what about him? You don't have to go ask anybody. God says that if you will to do my will. We've already gone over this two times in the last four weeks. If a person wants to do God's will, God will show that person what his will is. He said you will hear and understand and know the correct doctrine because I'll teach it to you. And I'll confirm it when it's being preached to you. I've heard people talk about, well, we don't have a very good preacher right now. I mean, I don't understand. What do you mean? Well, he just says some off-the-wall stuff. I said, sure enough. Yeah. Said, Can you trust him? Well, you know, you got to be particular about it. Well, why do you keep going there? Why do you keep listening to him? Well, you know, we're in the community, and it's a community church. <laughs> or that's my family's church. They've been going to that church for the last hundred years. Is that worth having something that God didn't say put in your brain? <laughs> people go to church for all kinds of reasons. We've had people stand here and say that most of you guys come here for Jesus. That was a tremendous compliment, I think, for the group as a whole. Because there's not much else we've got to offer except for Jesus. 
That's about all we have around here. Is something to eat, some prayer, some singing, some fellowship, some love, and Jesus. He says in verse 16, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold. I've got some other sheep, Jesus says, that are not in this pen right here this morning. When I come up to this pen and call my sheep, I've got other sheep. Them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one foe and one shepherd. Who are the other sheep? Well, part of them are you and I. Because he's talking to one group of people here. And he prayed in the 17th chapter of John, not only do I pray for the people you gave me, Lord, but I'm praying for those people who will come to me by what they tell them. Now here's another thing that astounds me. Our Bible, the New Testament, was made up of letters. People wrote letters and people wrote about what was happening on the time. The book of Acts was written by Luke, a doctor, about what was going on then. And the last book John wrote about 95 A.D., about 60 years, 70 years after Jesus died. The last book was written. They weren't even put together as a group until about 200 A.D., about 100 years later. Then, until the 1700s, the Bible was not put together and written verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and book by book and put out for the masses to be able to get and read until about 1700. So for 1700 years, people on the street did not have a Bible. The Jews could go to church, the temple, and hear the priest read from the Old Testament, but they didn't have a Bible to read. Now let me ask you something. How did the church grow in those 1,700 years without a Bible? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. They told each other. And the Holy Spirit would see that this one told this one. And this one would tell this one. And they kept on. And people were saved because they heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they became the church. They didn't go to a church. They, they became the church. You are the church today. This building is not the church. That's the church house. You are the church because God lives inside of you. We have come to a place to where we don't talk about the Holy Spirit much. We don't give it much credit for being in a place that God intended for it to be. 
but it's been doing the work of the church for 1,700 years without a scripture. So I feel like that it deserves to continue to be listened to. Have you heard the voice of the Spirit enough to know what it says, what it doesn't say, what's in this book, what's not in this book, and what people are telling you that is not in the book, and you spend all your time trying to do a bunch of little things that God doesn't care a thing in the world about, but you're trying to do them. So we come down to this. It says that the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches us. I can't teach you. All I can do is make you aware of things. The Holy Spirit's what tells you whether to believe it or not. By application, According to what Jesus just said here, there are people all over the world in one sheepfold or another. Do they know who their shepherd is? Do they know who to follow? Will they leave with somebody that God doesn't approve of? You see how treacherous everything can be for us? and what we listen to, and who we listen to. But what did Peter say? You, we need to try every spirit to see which ones are of God. Do we know that automatically? No, we don't. But if we try that spirit, we stop and say, Lord, I've never heard that before. Is it true? Is it something you want me to believe? He says he'll tell us. In the Old Testament, the preachers of the Old Testament were what they called prophets. They came and they spoke to the people and they told the people what God said He wanted them to know. And He told them, you go over here and you tell this group of people what I said. And then He told the people, you listen to this man. And if this man changes one word that I say. You need to kill him. That was the Old Testament requirement for a person who spoke for God to God's people. If he tells a lie, you kill him. That's what God said. Somebody says, oh my goodness, no. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Even with the big salaries, wonder how many people won't be preachers now if that's still the way they handle things. Because like I said, to start with, there are two things about John chapter 10 that I think God wants us to remember. Number one, we know Jesus' voice. 
and we follow him. And we won't follow a stranger. And when he comes to the door and calls our name, we're to get up and go. What did it say about Philip? <laughs> you know, people People talk to me about, I'm spending all my time trying to help so and so and so and so. And so. No, 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 wait, 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 just a minute, just a minute. There's something in Hebrews called dead works. It's works that God didn't tell you to do. You're not going to get a reward for it. And you're not going to be helped while you're doing it. So why would you do it? Well, I just thought it'd be doing God a favor. I've learned not to do it. You wait until God tells you something to do and then you go do it. You know He's behind it and you know when you do it, whatever trouble you have to go through, you're going to get a reward. That's what this whole thing is all about. That we were created under good works. So let your light so shine that others may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We're supposed to make an impression. I'm not talking about goody two-shoes or I'm better than them. No, it's not being good. And he says in 1 John, he'll know us by our love. Are you showing love to folks? We started this whole series of sermons with this. What's the most important thing it says in the Bible? Love you, Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the two things. Then there's one more thing I'll add to it that God showed me. How? Can I love my neighbor as myself if I don't treat him like he's better than I am? If I look my, down my nose at him, how in the world will I ever be accused of loving him? So that's where we find ourselves, living a life that manifests itself in love for our brothers and sisters and help and kindness for helping the weak when God tells us to, helping the strong when God tells us to, and helping folks that are in a jam when God tells us to. Because some of those folks God put in a jam and he wants them to stay in that jam until they've learned their lesson. And when we step in there and try to get them out of the jam, we go in against God in that case. So we got to be careful who we do for. There are denominations today that teach you just go out there and help everybody you see doing everything you can do. But that's not what Scripture says. We are known for our obedience. That's the whole word. Doing what God tells you to do. Well, what are you doing right now? Well, I'll tell you the truth, I've been sitting here resting in the shade. You resting? And you're a Christian? Yeah. Christians need rest too. They need peace of mind too. Oh, but you're not out helping somebody? Oh, I'll be ready to go when he calls me. 
That's what it really says. God chose a way through Jesus Christ to teach us a lesson this morning about some things that we might not consider too important that involve the animal world. I mean, anybody that handles animals knows these things that I've shared with you. They've got to have somebody in front of them. They don't know where to go if they don't. You can't get behind them and holler hoorah like they do on TV. They'll go every which way. So listen for the voice of Jesus. He's obligated himself to tell us where we need to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you, Lord, that you would send Jesus to speak to us in terms that we can understand. that you come to where we are instead of us having to go to you. And we thank you for that. Lord, you even promise that you will help us when we don't even know we're in a jam. I thank you for that. That if we will ask forgiveness, 1 John 1, 9, for the things that we know about, the sins that we know about, you'll forgive us for everything, the ones that we don't know about either. And I thank you for that too. So Lord, it seems to me our way's covered. All we got to do is to follow you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.